Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador. And we're here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Now, Joe Biden took to the world stage to advocate for the American agenda, but he got laughed at in Cornwall, England, after Prime Minister Boris Johnson introduced the president of South Africa, and it seemed like Joe Biden awakened from what appears to me to be a trance-like stupor and blurted out, well, I'm going to let you listen to what Joe El Baboso Biden had to say. Check this out. Just say how pleased I am uh, to welcome uh, those who have just joined us, bringing some pretty spectacular weather uh, with them. Prime Minister Modi, uh, President Ramaphosa, President Moon, in just a minute. And the President of South Africa. And, and the President uh, of South Africa, as, 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 I, as I said earlier. Oh, you did? I did not. I, did, I, I, I certainly did. Uh, so, <laughs> but you didn't mention twice. So, uh, I, I'll go over that again. Now, if that weren't bad enough of Joel Baboso Biden getting laughed at on the world stage, he goes on to ask for them to cut him a break when they ask him a difficult question. He can't understand it. He can't answer it. So he says, well, you know what? I've only been here for a little bit. I've only been here for 120 days, man. Listen to this. Biden is losing it. Putin is punking the president. And Biden just blunders his way through all of this stuff right there in Brussels. He's weak and it really shows. Biden should take a page from Trump and he himself should build himself back better again. Because it's not like he's our adversary. He's our president. So we want him to succeed. Maybe he should start a reversal on his disastrous decision to give Putin a green light on energy production while putting tens of thousands out of work in the U.S. when he effectively shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Now, Joe Biden also said at this G7 summit in Brussels, Belgium, that the Republican Party, this populist party, it's, it's, it's over, it's finished, finito. And I can understand why Biden would say something like that because he has a limited view. Now, remember, Biden spent 47 years in Washington, mostly as a senator, with Republican friends like Paul Ryan, John Boehner in the House. But of course, he had friends in the Senate too, like Mitch McConnell, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and of course, John McCain. Let's not forget Jeff Flake. These are all of his buddies in the Senate. So what happens? Biden's used to dealing with weak, spineless rhinos. Now, I say spineless because I know you'll like that term, but the reality is I don't think they're spineless at all. They have the courage and the guts 
to do what's better for them and to do what's worse for the American people each and every time. They've got the courage to steal, they've got the courage to lie, and they've got the courage to cheat and tell you right in your face that they're doing it in the name of Americanism. So I don't think they're spineless per se. I think they're crooked and I think they need to be replaced. But these are Joe Biden's Republican friends. So with Republican friends like those and them diminishing, I could see why Joe Biden thinks that the Republican Party is falling apart. And quite frankly, it was because of leaders like those. But wait, there's more. There's guys like El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, Jim Jordan, Thomas Massey, Ron Johnson, so many valiant conservatives that are really rising up. Guys that left Congress and ran for office. Governor Ron DeSantis, former Secretary of State Pompeo. These guys are kicking butt and taking names. So you can't compare these guys to the Mitt Romneys of the Senate. You just can't. Joe Biden isn't used to this new breed of conservative Republican firebrand. He saw a flash in the pan with the Tea Party. He doesn't realize that the folks that jumped on the Trump train, the people that believe in MAGA and that movement of making America great again, they're not going anywhere. They want to see America succeed. And they believe in the best that this country has to offer. Not the fractured minority that he's used to. Trump breathed new life into the Republican Party that they left decaying. They left the Republican Party on the side of the road for dead. Trump resurrected it. And I don't mean to sound preachy or spiritual or cult-like, because I'm pretty sure I'll get accused of that. This isn't anything like that. This is just the facts. The GOP's raising more money. They're strengthened. They have most of the governorships across America. They're pretty well positioned to move forward, not backward. But more on Mitch and Nancy La Bruja Pelosi straight ahead when we talk about their metal detector scams and everything else that they're up to. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. You're listening to This Is America. This Is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This Is America with Rich Valdez. Now, the Democrats cheat at absolutely everything. So much of what they do is a total scam. Nancy Labruja Pelosi, a.k.a. the Cruella DeVille of Congress, is slowing down GOP congressmen from going to vote by stalling them at the Capitol Hill metal detectors before key votes. That's a scam. And we're going to get to that. More on that in a minute. But first... Pelosi was on TV on Sunday justifying Representative Ilhan Omar's comments that we discussed on the last episode of This Is America. So make sure you catch up on that episode because there's a lot in there. And that's where Representative Omar suggested that the United States was at the same level as terrorist organizations like Hamas and the Taliban. Since then, she's been backpedaling, saying that she wasn't comparing them that way with certain aspects of what happened in each of those uh, nations. Whatever. Even AOC came out, good old, all-out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. She came out to defend her, and so did Nancy. And I want you to listen to what Nancy Pelosi had to say, defending Ilhan Omar, actually thanking her. Listen to Cut For. Check this out. We did not uh, rebuke her. We thanked, uh, acknowledged that she made a clarification. So mm-hmm. before we go too far down the path. Yeah, I'm these, these aren't my words. No, I these are, that. These are your I caucus that, members' words. No, that's a member. Yeah. That's a caucus member. A caucus member. A caucus member. Yeah. So I just wanted to get yeah, your response and I'm saying, to that. No, I'm not. I'm not responding that we, the, the Congresswoman Omar is a valued member of our caucus. She 
asked her questions of the Secretary of State. Nobody criticized those about how people will be held accountable if we're not going to the International Court of Justice. That was a very legitimate question. Mm-hmm. That was not of concern. Members did become concerned when the uh, tweet that was put out equated the United States with Taliban. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. And Hamas. Rashida Tlaib is accusing and, of policing and, women and, of color. And, and then she clarified it. Mm-hmm. And we thanked her for clarification. So do you want people to just let it go? They, they, they could say whatever they want. But what I'm saying is, is end of subject. She clarified. We thanked her. End of subject. What other people go out and say is up to them. But it, it is what we what happened is a reflection of the respect we have for our member and when she made her questions at the hearing, but the disagreement that we have to equate the United States of America with Hamas and the Taliban. Now, Nancy Labrusa Pelosi, she can't even handle a little bit of pushback from Dana Bash, who says, look, these aren't my words, these are your caucus members' words. Because she's so busy, she's so fixated on doing whatever she can. You see, she can't step up. She just can't. She can't tell AOC. She tried it. She tried to put AOC in her place a couple of years ago. Around that time where I had my run-in with her that we talked about on the last episode, and her spokesperson tweeted that F-bomb thing to me, and the next thing you know, he got the boot. And that was partially because Nancy Pelosi said, this guy's got to go. Now, that had nothing to do with me. That had everything to do with them going after Nancy Pelosi. And she had more political power back then, so she took shot, and boom, she pulled the trigger. And that was a warning shot to tell AOC, hey, stay in your place, stay in your lane. But since then, AOC has become one of the most uh, prolific raisers of money in the House of Representatives. So Nancy has to put up with her. She's got no choice. So Nancy has to come up with other ways to make things happen, because as Speaker, she's got a lot of things going on. One of the things that she has is a razor-thin majority. She's got nothing going on there. Difficult to defend. They lost 10 seats. I think 15 ended up getting flipped. So with, with a situation like that, what happens with Nancy? Well, I'll tell you. She's got to come up with different scams that are fake, they're phony, and they're fraudulent so that she can slow things down. And by that, I mean how she's holding up Republican members of Congress with metal detectors so that they can be late to their vote and miss their vote on key votes so that she can have more Democrat votes by slowing down and stalling the Republicans. And the only reason I know about this is because I got a call from Kerry Pickett from the Washington Examiner, and she was telling me about this article. We talked about other things, but she brought this to my attention. I thought, you know what? This is really messed up, and people need to know. Kerry Pickett is the senior campaign correspondent uh, writer for the Washington Examiner. And the headline here, House Republicans file lawsuit over metal detector fines. Two House Republicans announced Monday that they filed a federal lawsuit against the House Sergeant-at-Arms and Chief Administrative Officer over thousands of dollars in fines imposed due to violation of the Chamber's metal detector rules. 
Republican Representative Louie Gohmert of Texas and Andrew Clyde of Georgia filed their lawsuit Sunday in federal district court in Washington, D.C. through their attorney, Ken Cuccinelli, a former Virginia attorney general and Trump administration official. The lawsuit represents the most direct challenge yet to a set of security measures put in place by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat leadership after January 6th. When supporters of then, according to the article, President Donald Trump stormed the building and made an ultimately futile attempt to overturn the counting of electoral votes that delivered the presidency to Joe Biden. In the lawsuit, Gohmert and Clyde argue that Sergeant at Arms William Walker and Chief Administrative Officer Catherine Spinzer violated the 27th Amendment of the Constitution, which states no law varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. The lawmakers argue that imposing and collecting fines reduces a member's salary during his or her term. They also argue that it violates a constitutional provision saying lawmakers can't be arrested while performing their congressional duties. Gomert and Clyde cite Article 1, Section 5, quote, each house may punish its members for disorderly behavior. Furthermore, Article 1, Section 6 states, representatives shall in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same. And here's a quote from Clyde. It's clear to me that the intent of the speaker is to gain improper influence over the actions of the minority Republican Party and to further Speaker Pelosi's false political narrative. That, and I quote, the enemy is within the House of Representatives. House Resolution 73 is a failure of logic built upon a foundation of Democrat lies that say Republican members and their voters are dangerous domestic terrorists, end quote. And that's what uh, Clyde told reporters on Monday. But it went on. In fact, the acting chief of the U.S. Capitol Police, Yogananda Pittman, reported to the House Republican Conference members in a security briefing on February 24th that there existed no known intelligence from any source that any member of Congress was a threat to any other member, thereby revealing that the use of magnometers as a condition of access to the House floor was purely political grandstanding by the Speaker and a clear violation of the Constitution. Additionally, the Republican lawmakers noted several instances in which GOP members missed votes as a result of being held up at the metal detectors, as opposed to Democrat lawmakers who were allowed to walk right onto the House floor after setting off the scanners without any additional punishment. Ooh, that's saucy right there. When you have that kind of power, you can delay Republicans from coming in and not enforce it against Democrats. You have a formula for a third world theocracy oligarchy. This is insane. This is not the way Congress is supposed to work, said Gomert. And that's why this kind of stuff has never been done. Even in the 1920s, when the Speaker had taken all the power to himself, that was not allowed to stand because part of the majority said, we can't allow this kind of concentration of power in the Speaker, end quote. Gomert was issued a $5,000 fine and Clyde has received $15,000 in fines by the House Sergeant-at-Arms. Timothy Blodgett last month said, failure to complete a security screening before entering the House chamber is uh, payable in these fines. Now, both of them have attempted to appeal the fines at the House Ethics Committee back in March, but a majority of the committee did not agree to appeal. Chairman Ted Deutsch, a Florida Democrat, and ranking member Jackie Walorski of Indiana, a Republican, said in a joint statement, Gomert allegedly 
walk through the scanners to enter the floor before he later walked out of the chamber into the speaker's lobby, which is a hallway adjacent to the floor, to go to the restroom. He returned to the floor through the speaker's lobby where there were no metal detectors at the time. There was no notice of a change in the requirement that once all the requirements were met on the house floor and entered, that I would have to be wanded upon returning from the restroom that's merely feet away from the speaker's lobby, Gomert told the Washington Examiner. This fact is that I went through the metal detector properly. Point blank, Gomert told him. Gomert was fined a day after the House voted to impose the financial penalties on lawmakers who refused to comply with metal detector rules. So Republicans are up in arms saying that this is unconstitutional. And I agree that it's definitely one more way that Nancy Labruja Pelosi has to try and minimize the effect that Republicans are going to have when they go and vote. This is something we can't just sit there and allow to happen. So kudos to Gomer and everybody else that's taking a stand on this type of tyranny. Now, earlier today, I was on Newsmax explaining that the Democrats only have a razor-thin majority. Literally, one vote, a tiebreaker from VP Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has to step in in the Senate with that one vote. Or in the case of the House, there's nine votes, four of which are vacancies because Democrats have pulled out. So you're talking about five. So again, when Biden says that the GOP is dead and that Trump's phony populists are a small minority, I have to say, I think you're totally wrong. It's just not factually accurate. From what I can see, just looking at the fundraising numbers, the last three months have been record-breaking. May alone provided $14 million just for the NRCC. Three straight months of breaking records. The National Republican Congressional Committee now has $42 million of cash on hand. Republicans are making a Trumpian comeback, and we have Joe's ineptitude and weakness in part to thank, as well as the patriots like you that really truly get it. And I thank God for all of you, because without you, we don't have a show. Speaking of you, I love to interact with you guys, so make sure you get at me at Rich Valdez on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S on social media. And if you scroll through some of my posts on whichever social media, whether it's Parler, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you're going to see a link where I'm wearing a really cool shirt with my face on it, the Rich Valdez This Is America t-shirt. We got a couple. We got one that says Liberty Loving Latino Amigo and another one that has the logo of the show. And if you want to have one of these cool shirts, you definitely can. If you want to support the work that we're doing, feel free to cop one get two buy three get one for a friend give them out father's day is coming you can do that on my social media at rich valdez with an s at rich valdez and i thank you because it's with your help that we spread this message of liberty whether it's through a t-shirt through a tweet or through sharing a text message however you want just help us share this message anyway keep it locked right there because straight ahead we're going to find out what's going on with all this craziness over afro latinos in the movie in the Heights. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And yes, I am wearing my cool Rich Valdez t-shirt. You want to get some Rich Valdez merch, head over to the website, richvaldez.com. There's going to be a tab on there soon. But if not, go straight to the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. See a picture of me wearing the shirt. Click on it. Buy as many as you like. And these are USA strong. This is American cotton. And these are printed right in the USA. 
Now, the creator of the hit Broadway show Hamilton is making headlines again, this time for the screen adaptation of his very first and very popular play, In the Heights. Now, I enjoy the play because it's got hip-hop infused with a Broadway musical, and it really was remarkable to witness that type of talent. Now, Miranda, the playwright, my paisano from the island of Puerto Rico, he seems uh, afraid to ever defend himself. Anytime he does something that his friends on the left don't like, he cowers in fear and apologizes for everything. Never stands up for any of the decisions of his own work. And it's really good work. I mean, it's wonderful. I saw the, the play that was put on by Hack Pack, the Hackensack Performing Arts Center in Jersey, just last year, starring Julia Matias. He's an excellent actor, an excellent dancer, and he played the role of Sonny in their adaptation of Miranda's In the Heights. And he happens to be Hispanic too. But In the Heights writer Lynn manuel Miranda is now apologizing for a lack of Afro-Latino stars. Headline from Fox News. Miranda is addressing criticism over the film's lack of Afro-Latino representation. Mind you, if you Google this, you'll find a bunch of articles saying how great they did with the casting that the majority of the cast members are brown. But I continue. He says, quote, I started writing in the Heights because I didn't feel seen. And over the past 20 years, all I wanted was for us, all of us, to feel seen. That's Miranda's statement, part of it. I'm seeing the discussion around Afro-Latino representation in our film this weekend, and it's clear that many in our dark-skinned Afro-Latino community don't feel sufficiently represented in the film particularly amongst its leading roles. The discussion Miranda mentions stems from a video article in The Root, published Wednesday, which points out that there are no dark-skinned Afro-Latinos in the film's leading roles. In an interview with In the Heights director John Chu and stars Leslie Grace and Melissa Barrera, as well as Gregory Diaz, journalist Felice Leon questioned the film's casting decisions. So right there, there's not a single white person there. But that wasn't good enough. They're Hispanic, but they weren't dark enough. You've got to be kidding me that this is actually a conversation we're having. You can go to Puerto Rico. You can go to the Dominican Republic. You can go to Cuba. You're going to find people of all different colors. There are tons of blacks in Cuba. There are dark-skinned and black Puerto Ricans. And there are dark-skinned and black Dominicans. But they have them in all colors. And to say that somebody's somehow less Dominican, less Puerto Rican, less Cuban, less Hispanic, less Latino, because they have a little less of a complexion than someone else, this is asinine. To me, it's ridiculous. I'll continue with the article. What would you say to folks who say that In the Heights privileges white passing and light-skinned Latinx people, Leon said? Mr. Chu replied, I would say that's a fair conversation to have. Listen, we're not going to get everything right in a movie. We tried our best on all fronts. The Root article notes that Miranda did not agree to be interviewed by them on this subject. Leslie Grace, who is Afro-Latina and portrays Nina in the film, ended the interview by saying, I think that this is cracking the glass ceiling because I do hope to see my brothers and sisters who are darker than me lead in these movies. I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism, of feeling unseen in the feedback. I hear that without sufficient dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation, the work feels extrative of the community we wanted to portray, of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. 
Miranda's statement continues, In trying to paint the mosaic of this community, we fell short. I'm truly sorry. I'm learning from the feedback. I thank you for raising it, and I'm listening. This guy should be a Democrat politician because he whines so much. Anyway, they continue. Miranda ended his statement by saying he will do better in his future endeavors. Quote, I'm trying to hold space for both the indelible pride in the movie we made and being accountable for our shortcomings. Thanks for your honest feedback, Miranda wrote. I promise to do better in my future projects and I'm dedicated to learning and evolving with all that we have to do to make sure that we are honoring our diverse and vibrant community. Wow. Listen, I'm not going to fault him for saying that. It was a very politically safe response. But the unending apology for saying, look, I am a creator. I make stuff. I make films and I make plays. I casted this based on what I saw. I'm a light, white-skinned Puerto Rican guy. I don't mean Rich Valdez. I mean Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? He's a very light guy. He's probably lighter than me. Now, I don't think it matters what color the writer is or even what color the actors are, quite frankly, right? Didn't we have a black uh, James Bond actor? Idris Elba, didn't that happen? And if it didn't, there was consideration. I think he would have done a great job if he didn't do it. I didn't see the movie. I can't tell you. But I don't think we should bar people from doing it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you put together a film, this should be celebrated that there's a Hispanic coming out from, from, from obscurity with this play, making it a hit on Broadway, then making another play, Hamilton, biggest play in like modern history, And now he makes a movie of the first play and now he's under fire because the Hispanics that he chose are too light. You've got to be kidding me. This is absolute insanity. And I know I said that. I'm just saying it again for good measure because we can't live in a society. You could say what you want. I appreciate the discourse. Anybody's free to say what they want. But we really can't live in a society where people are just wrong because they're not casting the person based on skin color. He created this play. He cast it however he wants to cast it. Why do we got to come after the brown guy who makes a movie? Why don't we go after the hundreds of Hollywood movies that put white people in every role? Why don't we tell them, hey, how come you don't have more brown people there? Why don't you have more black people there? We're not having that conversation. This conversation is stupid and it smacks the high heaven of critical race theory. That is the problem that we have. Not that Miranda didn't get his own casting right. Critical race theory or as I like to call it now, criminal race theory, criminal racist theory is more like it, is creeping in everywhere. But some unlikely heroes continue emerging and thank God for them. This time, separate story, we've got a 14-year-old girl who's a student in Loudoun County, Virginia. This teen unloads on her Virginia school board saying that your proposed policies are dangerous and rooted in sexism. Now, it's funny how she had the courage to step up to her school board at 14 years old, but Lin-Manuel Miranda can't find the cojones to tell the truth and to stand up for his own artwork, which I will say is excellent. He's an excellent artist, an excellent creator, an excellent playwright. God bless him and may he keep making more movies. But I pray that he gets the strength to stand up to this left The left that he's defending is coming after him. Now this girl, 14 years old, she's blasting the school board over their new locker room policy. 14-year-old Virginia girl, Jolene Grover, lashed out at her school district, this New York Post, claiming that it's the policy of the school now to allow transgender children to use female locker rooms. And she thinks that this is dangerous and rooted in sexism. Two years ago, there's a quote, two years ago I was told 
policy number 1040 was just an umbrella philosophy and you weren't going to allow boys into the girls' locker rooms. But here you are doing just that, eighth grader Jolene Grover told her school board at a meeting on Tuesday. Jolene was referring to the Loudoun County Public Schools' recent policy number 8350, which states in a draft that students, quote, students will be allowed to use the facility that corresponds to their gender identity, according to a news outlet. The teen who was wearing a shirt that read, woman is female, defiantly told the board members, everyone knows what a boy is, even you. Listen to this. Two years ago, I was told policy 1040 was just an umbrella philosophy, and you weren't going to allow boys into the girls' locker rooms. But here you are doing just that. Everyone knows what a boy is, even you. Your proposed policies are dangerous and rooted in sexism. When woke kids asked me if I was a lesbian or a trans boy because I cut my hair short, it should tell you these modern identities are superficial. My guidance counselor's response to my concerns about bathroom privacy and safety was, well, there are stalls in the bathrooms. Now boys are reading erotica in the classrooms next to girls, and you want to give them access to girls' locker rooms, and you want to force girls to call those boys she. You do this in the name of inclusivity while ignoring the girls who will pay the price. Your policies choose boys' wants over girls' needs. I applaud this girl for her courage. She's got wisdom beyond her years at 14 years old, standing up to these people. I love it that she calls them out and says, even you. Then she says, your proposed policies are dangerous, rooted in sexism. The middle schooler then argued that modern identities are only superficial. Quote, when woke kids ask me if I was a lesbian or a trans boy because I cut my hair short, I should tell you these modern identities are superficial. Jolene's now homeschooled after her mother pulled her out of school. She said that she was worried that the new policy would lead to girls being harassed and being assaulted. And you heard her say it, but I'll just repeat it. Now boys are reading erotica in the classroom next to the girls and you want to give them access to girls' locker rooms. You just want to force girls to call these boys she. That was brilliant. And you do this in the name of inclusivity. Man, I just love every sentence. Every sentence that she put together here just hit a home run. Your policies choose boys' wants over girls' needs. Of course, the district declined to comment to Fox News about Jolene's comments. Now, her comments come during this controversy that's still ongoing involving a gym teacher, uh, Byron Cross, who goes by the name Tanner, Tanner Cross, who refused to use transgender students' preferred pronouns because it violated his faith. And he was subsequently reinstated. And of course, critical race theory dictates that race is an underlying dynamic of all human interaction and views the human experience as a constant power struggle between the races, often with a focus on quote-unquote white privilege. This racial inequality narrative and movement has very deep roots, and it's nothing new, but it's really coming to the surface now. And recently, somebody on social media pointed me to an article about a historian that said, don't sanitize how our government created ghettos. And we're going to dive into that in the next episode of This Is America, so make sure you tune in and you don't miss that. But these are a couple of good examples. One of Lin-Manuel Miranda cowering in the face of critical race theory and racial bias, and one of Jolene Grover standing up saying, look, I'm a 14-year-old girl and I'm not having it. 
I'm going to change for gym in front of other girls, but I don't want to let 14-year-old boys in the girls' locker room. And I don't blame her. She's right. You have to draw a line somewhere because otherwise I can wake up tomorrow and say I identify as a 14-year-old girl and I want to go in the locker room. Now, of course, I'm not school age, so I'm not going to be there. But what if I identify as 14? Will they let me in the school then? When you have policies that say they're based on how you view yourself, everything becomes fluid. Everything becomes open. This is not something we can have. It's not safe for our children. It's not safe for our communities. And it's definitely not safe for the rest of the country. So kudos to all of the patriots that are fighting back in Loudoun County, Virginia, and across the country. We've seen moms rise up against this all over the place. My buddy Assemblyman Bob Auth, from what I hear, he's going to be putting a resolution out on the next voting session here in New Jersey. So kudos to him, and we await to see what developments happen there. But we need to put the pressure on our elected officials and let them know, hey, Mr. Assemblyman, hey, Mr. State Representative, hey, Mr. School Board President, hey, Mr. Superintendent or Madam Superintendent, we don't like this idea of telling somebody that because they're black, because they're brown, they're automatically oppressed and they're going to live the rest of their life oppressed. And that somehow if you're a woman, you're automatically oppressed. And if you're a man, you're automatically an oppressor and that the police are bad, and that the bad guys are good, and that if you have stress, you need to smoke pot. That's the way to nirvana in life. This is a backward way of thinking. We're creating addicts out of our children. We're creating victims out of our children instead of creating heroes and doctors and lawyers and the next generation of world changers. And that's what they deserve. I don't know about you, but I absolutely adore my children, and I think the world of them, and I know that they can succeed at absolutely anything they do. And I'll do anything I can to make sure they have a chance to do that. And it includes stopping critical race theory. So I hope you'll join me in that quest because we've got to stand against this. This is why I always say you got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. And Lord Acton, Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Evil cannot triumph if you do something. So it's time for you to take action. I hope that you're inspired. I hope you can take a look at these articles on my social media at Rich Valdez with an S. Buy yourself a t-shirt and give one to a friend. Hasta la próxima, America. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.